0: Section 19 of the Early Hanoverians by Edward Ellis Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Book 2, Chapter 4, Anson's Voyage. The small fleet which was placed under the orders of Commodore Anson to operate against the Spanish settlements in the Pacific, through unpunctuality, failed altogether in its first purpose of attacking Panama and across the Isthmus offering a helping hand to Vernon in his attack on Cartagena. But the voyage became famous for the perils surmounted and for the damage of various kinds done to Spain. The little squadron at first consisted of six ships, the Centurion with 60 guns and 400 men, the Gloucester with 50 guns and 300 men, the Severn with 50 guns and 300 men, the pearl of forty guns, the wager of twenty-eight, and the trial of eight. Owing to the unpunctuality in equipment already mentioned, these ships arrived at Cape Horn at the worst time of the year at the March equinox. Whilst rounding the Cape and afterwards, they encountered the most violent weather, fearful storms, and most bitter cold. The ships were unable to keep together, and the island of Juan Fernandez was appointed for a gathering place. When the storms were over, the sailors were affected by the scurvy. So serious was this illness that hardly sufficient men were left alive to navigate the ships. The island of Juan Fernandez is Robinson Crusoe's island. That is to say, it is the island in which Alexander Selkirk lived, the narrative of whose sojourn gave to Daniel Defoe the idea of Robinson Crusoe and his voyage on an uninhabited island. To Anson sailors it appeared like a paradise, containing plenty of fresh water and plenty of fresh herbs, also goats, descendants of Selkirk's flock. Only three ships met at this island, the Centurion, the Gloucester, and the Trial. The Severn and the Pearl had suffered so badly that they were compelled to turn and go home. The wager was wrecked on a small desert island, when the crew mutinied against the captain, and putting to sea in the longboat actually passed the Straits of Magellan, and about thirty of them even reached Rio Grande in Brazil. Four out of the officers whom the men had left behind escaped to the Spanish settlements in Chile, where they were treated generously, and ultimately being exchanged for Spanish prisoners, returned home. One of these, then a midshipman, afterwards became Admiral Byron and was grandfather to Lord Byron the poet, who says himself that in describing a wreck in his poems, he made use of accounts that he had heard of scenes from the wreck of the wager. From Juan Fernandez, Anson's three ships set forth in search of prizes. The little trial captured a large merchant ship, and as the trial was very leaky and unfit for further sailing, her crew was transferred to her prize. Then Anson determined to attack the Spanish town of Paita. Sixty sailors landing in boats were sufficient to take it, and the English obtained large quantities of plunder. The treasure was taken on board the centurion, and then Anson, most unjustifiably, gave orders that the town should be burnt. Meanwhile the Gloucester also had taken valuable prizes. Anson's next scheme was to intercept one of the galleons that traded between Manila and Mexico. These huge vessels brought merchandise from Manila and carried back the precious metals from the port of Acapulco in Mexico. But before he could carry out his design, Anson was obliged to destroy his prizes and concentrate on board the two ships, Centurion and Gloucester. Having done this, he put to sea— but the ships were caught in a storm, and it was found necessary to transfer the Gloucester's men to his own ship, the Centurion, which was now left alone. Lest the Gloucester's hull should fall into the hands of the Spaniards, she was set on fire. Now again the scurvy began doing great mischief to Anson's force, and reduced it until at one time there were not seventy men fit for duty. They stayed at the island of Tinian, one of the Ladrones Islands, and there recruited their strength. Whilst many, including the commodore, were ashore, a violent storm arose and drove the centurion from her moorings and quite away from the island. So few sailors had been left on board that it was doubtful whether the ship could be worked back again to her position. Anson proposed that they should lengthen a small Spanish ship which they had seized at the island, but which was in its present condition too small to hold them all, and so escape. Heartened by the example of their chief, they were all working vigorously at shipbuilding, when, from the top of a hill, to the great joy of all, the centurion was espied returning. In the centurion Anson sailed to Macau to refit and to supply himself with stores. Though Macau was a Portuguese settlement, the governor would give him nothing without the consent of the Chinese government and Canton. As the Mandarins made difficulties, even about his purchasing provisions, Anson pointed out that the centurion could destroy all the ships in Canton harbour, that his men, being hungry, could not be restrained much longer, and that if they turned cannibals, they would probably begin with the plump, well fed Chinese. The Mandarins yielded without further parley. Anson had not given up his designs on the Spanish galleons and in about a month he fell in with one off the Philippine Islands. The Spanish ship did not try to avoid an engagement, but strangely postponed clearing decks until the fight had begun. Anson abandoned the system of broadsides, keeping up instead a constant but irregular fire. Moreover, he stationed his best marksmen in the rigging to fire at the Spanish officers. The result of his tactics was— that though the Spaniards fought bravely, they were beaten by the English, who had not half their number. The Spaniards lost in the fight 151, the English 29. The prize had on board a million and a half dollars. Anson took his prisoners to Canton, where he released them, and sold his prize. At length, he sailed for England round the Cape of Good Hope. When the centurion reached home, she had been absent three years and nine months. She brought home no little booty, but the gain to Anson and his men was as nothing compared to the damage that had been done to Spain. Great was the glory gained. Proof had been given that England's seamen had not degenerated since the days of Elizabeth. Anson himself was made a peer. End of Section 19